Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may be life in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, from ancient times, the Church has observed the custom of appointing sponsors for baptismal candidates and catechumens. In the Evangelical Lutheran Church, sponsors are to confess the faith expressed in the Apostles' Creed and taught in the small catechism. They are to pray for them and support them in their ongoing instruction and nurture in the Christian faith and encourage them toward the faithful reception then of the Lord's Supper. They are at all times to be examples to them of the holy life and faith in Christ and love for the neighbor. Kyle and Rachel Knepple, is it your intention to serve Abigail Viola Priest as sponsors in this Christian faith? If so, then answer yes with the help of God. Yes, with the help of God. God enable you both to will and to do this faithful and loving work, and with his grace fulfill all that we are unable to do. Amen. Christ our Lord, in the last chapter of Matthew, says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the last chapter of Mark, our Lord promises whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. The Word of God also teaches that we are all conceived and that we're born sinful and that we're under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. And so the Apostle Peter has declared, Baptism now saves you. And the promise of salvation, he says, is for you and for your children. In baptism, God puts his name on us with the water and his word, so that there may be no doubt that we are surely his, 
and that Christ has won for us through his saving death and resurrection all that we need. On Sunday, October 18th, Abigail Viola Priest was baptized with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, according to Christ's institution and his promise. This baptism was administered at the neonatal center of Kaiser Hospital in Santa Clara and performed by the Reverend John Nessel. The baptism was witnessed by her parents that are here. You attest then that this baptism was administered as had been recorded. Then answer, yes, we do. Yes, we do. The Almighty God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you new birth of water and the Spirit, and has forgiven you all of your sins, strengthen you with his grace unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, having redeemed the world by your blood and having applied that redemption to us through baptism, we pray that now that we give you thanks that now you have applied that saving work of yours, your death and resurrection, to little Abigail Viola Priest. We ask that throughout her life she might be enriched in the saving faith, this faith of her baptism, by the continued hearing of your word and by, in time, the, the faithful reception of your blessed sacrament, that she might be kept throughout all her days unto everlasting life and share with all of the saints in the inheritance that awaits those who have been baptized into your death and resurrection. We ask that you would grant this for the sake of your bitter suffering and death. In your blessed name, amen. Receive thou the burning light to show that you have received Christ, who is the light of the world. Live always in the light of Christ, and be ever watchful for his coming, that you may meet him with joy, and enter with him into the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. We pray. Almighty and most merciful God and Father, we thank and we praise you that you graciously preserve and enlarge your family and that you've granted Abigail Viola the new birth and holy baptism, and that you've made her a member of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and an heir, then, of your heavenly kingdom. We humbly implore you that, as she has now become your child, that you would keep her in her baptismal grace, that according to your good pleasure, she may faithfully grow to lead a godly life, to the praise and honor of your holy name, and finally, with all your saints, obtain the promised inheritance in heaven, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now may the Lord, who has called you into his baptismal grace, keep you forever his. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we now continue with the singing of the baptismal hymn, hymn number 594, the first three verses, hymn 594. He brings war and he exalts. 
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Oh, Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Oh, Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Rejoice, rejoice, give 
Stir up your power, O Lord, and come and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the fourth Sunday in Advent, the Old Testament lesson from the fifth chapter of the prophet Micah. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that when she who is in labor has given birth, and then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle lesson from the 10th chapter of Hebrews. When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And when he said the above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. And then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. So he abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Alleluia. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. Glory to you, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the baptismal creed, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
grace and peace be yours from God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for this last Sunday in Advent is the Old Testament prophecy that you heard in the Old Testament reading from Micah, the fifth chapter, these words. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and they shall dwell secure. This is our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Little towns often carry big titles. I suppose it's in an effort to give them some clout among the other more populous pockets of the population that would surround them. But consider, for instance, the small town of Cocker, Kansas. The population is about 475. But Cocker, Kansas is proudly the home of the world's largest ball of twine. It's quite a title. Or consider that even off I-69 between Indianapolis and Lansing, Michigan, there's a big, bold billboard that advertises Fairmont, Indiana, home of actor James Dean. That's a big deal for a little town. Or there's Durant, Oklahoma, which boasts home of the world's largest peanut. But I think the one that takes the cake, perhaps, is the small town of Snellman, Minnesota. In fact, one of the places where my father first served as a pastor. The, the population of, of the town at the time was about 12 people. And within the city limits there, city limits, within the city limits there was a bar and there was a Lutheran church. But today on, the, on a big billboard just outside inside the town of Snellman, it reads, Welcome to Snellman, home of Miss Minnesota and first runner-up to Miss America, 1981. It's true. And she was a member of the Lutheran church there. Little towns often carry big titles. What do you suppose the billboard outside of Bethlehem would have read? Because remember, it was little. You, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are too little even to be named among the clans of Judah. Clans were smaller denominations than tribes. You've heard of the 12 tribes of Israel, where clans were were smaller familial denominations within a particular tribe. Too little. Even to be named among the clans of Judah. What would its billboard read? Remember, though, small as it was, it did have a few reasons for claim to fame. So what would it read? Would it read, Welcome to Bethlehem, home of everybody's favorite Moabitess, Ruth. Remember Ruth, faithful daughter-in-law of Naomi, wife of Boaz that she there met by the threshing floor in Bethlehem. She once called Bethlehem home. Or how about this, Bethlehem soil of the stump of Jesse. Because remember, too, Ruth's grandson, Jesse? Jesse, famed Jesse, also lived in this little town of Bethlehem. But perhaps something a bit simpler works best. Welcome to Bethlehem, city of David. That one works, doesn't it? That one works. Bethlehem's most famous resident ever had indeed been that shepherd boy, from that little town, anointed king of all Israel by the prophet Samuel in that little town, victor over Goliath near that little town of Bethlehem. Israel's most famous king was from that little town of Bethlehem, and so it makes perfect sense 
that the little town of Bethlehem would be called and known by so many, including even the evangelist Luke in his day, known still by us today as the city of David. That's a big deal. That's a big deal for any town to be able to say that from you did come one of of the grade and of the stock and of the fame as King David. That's big. But as big a deal as David was, Bethlehem would yet claim far greater fame. And you know why. So scripture says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Literally, it says, from everlasting days. That's big. That's big. When you think about it, there's nothing bigger. Paris, London, Rome... They've got nothing on little Bethlehem. For from such humble origins as this came one who had no origin, who had no beginning. As Scripture says, whose origin is from of old, from everlasting. It's so big because there's no doubt of whom the prophet Micah foretells. Him who would be born in Bethlehem and yet him who has been since all eternity. And that can be only one individual. The Word made flesh. God made man. God made man in order to dwell among us. Imagine God among the likes of us. That's big. That's big. It's big enough that that he would come to us in his mercy and dwell among us in his mercy, but it's even bigger when we remember what our text says he would do for us in his grace. It says, He shall stand and shepherd his flock. For mankind indeed is a flock that desperately needs shepherding. Of course, naturally, we don't think so. No, we... We don't think we need anyone to direct our days and to direct our ways. We don't want anyone guarding and guiding us. But neither does that sheep. Think about it. Neither neither does that sheep that's so insistent to go its own way. It doesn't want anyone protecting and directing it. It doesn't want anyone guarding it and guiding it. No, it wants to go its own way. By birth and nature, that's how we humans are. But so often, that's our mindset, isn't it? Knowing how our Lord's rod and staff would direct us on various moral or ethical issues and and down various moral and ethical roads, be they big or very small, how often it is, though, that instead we choose to disregard his divine direction and we insist on going our own way. We insist on going where we would go, blazing our own trails. Despite the fact that in his word for our own good, that's why God gives his word of law. It's for our good. Despite despite that fact that he's given in his word, he's given his word for our own good so that in it God determines for us, for his sheep, those green pastures in which he'd have us to lie down and take spiritual rest and in which he'd have us feed. Yet, how often is it that, that we follow the temptation to seek out and, and, and obtain for us those things that seem to be greener pastures somewhere else? 
You see, we're a people that badly needs to be shepherded. Even we Christians, we still need that shepherd, don't we? For Think about it, how often collectively do we as a wayward prone flock of sheep, how often do we blat together as sheep do as they speak, how often do we blat together the, the language of the world saying, it's my life. I'll do what I want to do. I'll go where I want to go. This is my life. Despite my God-given Christian identity, we determine this is my life. Collectively, we say it, and then individually, we go and do it. Contrary to the voice of our shepherd. I think the Advent prophet Isaiah, I think he put it better than perhaps any could when he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Picture it. All we like sheep have gone astray, each and every one of us to his own way. And you can picture it, I know. You can visualize how scattered by nature we are left to ourselves. And perhaps, perhaps you even bear the scars. Maybe the emotionally deep scars to prove where you've been. It's easy to see why we need a shepherd, a good one. That's what we need, a good shepherd, one who's not going to lead us further astray, one who's not going to lead us into barren pastures. It's not going to lead us to wading wolves onto dangerous outcroppings of heterodoxy or heresy and into defenseless places. We need a good shepherd. We need a strong one who can defend the indefensible, one strong in might, one strong in resolve for our perpetual and habitual waywardness, one strong in resolve. We need that kind of shepherd. It's easy as we consider carefully our own lives. It's easy to see it. That's what makes it all the better to hear it, like we did today. That from Bethlehem shall come forth one who will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Micah foretold it. More than 400 years before Christ had come, Micah foretold it. And as St. Luke reported, it came to pass. This one of whom he speaks has come. That's what we mark with such reverence and deepest joy in just, what, four days from now. He has come. To the little town of shepherds he came who would stand as the greatest shepherd of all to shepherd his flock. And quite fittingly, I think, quite fittingly to shepherds, abiding with and keeping watch over all those would-be wayward sheep, kind of like us, to shepherds. Came the news, unto you has been born in the city of David a Savior, a shepherd, Christ the Lord. Did you hear what he said? Unto you. That's big news. It's a big deal, even if you think yourself to be too little. To be named and to be numbered among the thoughts of God. Even if you consider yourself to be too small to be counted among the cares and concerns of God. No matter who you are. No matter how wayward you've been. No matter how insignificant you feel. Even if God hasn't been a big deal to you, know this. Know this, that you are a big deal to God. You are a big deal to God. How big? Well, consider that parable our Lord once told of the, of the lost sheep. A certain shepherd had a hundred sheep. 
One went missing. Now, most shepherds would have cut that rather minimal 1% loss and been content with those that remained. After all, 1% in this day when, when retirement plans and port- portfolios are losing 10 and 15%, 1%, that's not much of a loss to bear. Most shepherds would have simply cut that loss and been satisfied with the 99 they had left. After all, it maybe wasn't even the healthiest sheep anyway. Fact is, he, for himself and his own interest, he might have been better off without it. But he loved you too much. And so this shepherd risks his own life and limb. And he sought out that sheep. Today we'll call her Abigail, should we? Though I know this particular sheep goes by other names. In fact, I'm sure that your name is one of them. And he sought out that sheep to save it from all of the eternal dangers it didn't even know. Wolves that were waiting, crevices of sin that not even the sheep knew. He sought what was lost and he found you. And finding you, he doesn't beat you back home with his rod and staff, no, but gently. And tenderly he he descends to raise you up and to place you upon his strong shoulders. His footing, it's firm. He knows the way back home. And what all the wolves can do is growl at you when you're safe up there. This shepherd loved you so much that he then set you safely down so he could deliver himself up give himself up on the cross because that's what it took. No less. And all of him, that's what it took. And because he's true man, he laid down his life. And yet because he's very God, he did take it back up again. So even this very day, he doesn't lie in death. But as Micah foretold, this shepherd, he stands to shepherd his flock in the strength of the risen and ever-living Lord. How big a deal are sheep like us to a shepherd like him? Ask him. Ask him. Because you know what he tells you in his word? He says, I myself bore your sins in my own body on the tree, that you, having died to sins and connected to me through baptism, might live now unto righteousness, for by my stripes you, individually you, are healed. For he says, you were like sheep going astray, but now I have returned you to me, the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You're that big a deal to him. In the mid-1800s, the rector of Trinity Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, went on a pilgrimage of sorts to what we call the Holy Land. He spent some time there in the Judean hill country of Palestine. And of course, there, as he was there, he visited and beheld Bethlehem, a small town some five miles to the south-southwest of Jerusalem. Brooks there would have seen what John Beck, author of, of a book entitled Land of Milk and Honey, describes. Brooks would have seen... As Beck describes, here at Bethlehem, he writes, the narrow V-shaped valleys of the Judean highlands, they widen 
into open basins filled with rich soils. These fields favor the abundant grain crops that undoubtedly helped shape the village's name because you see Bethlehem is Hebrew for house of bread. He writes, he goes on, on the, on the hillsides above these valleys lie many threshing floors. After the grain harvest, many of the local herdsmen and farmers would enter into contracts and that permitted the shepherds to bring their flocks into the agricultural fields where the, where the flocks would graze. Often they'd watch their flocks by night. And so it is, it's said that Brooks, this, this one in the 1800s visiting this land, it said Brooks was so inspired by the view of Bethlehem from, from the hills of Palestine, especially the view of it at night, that he was compelled to pen these words, words that you know very well and that we'll sing very soon. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The Christ of whom Brooks would write in this carol, he comes to you. Housed in bread and sacramental bread, housed in bread and wearing wine in the same flesh, and blood that once an infant state, once sanctified and exalted this little town, so often here comes to you to sanctify and to exalt you and to pardon you. Of all of your life's sins, pardon you with finality in the way that only he can. You see, that's your Bethlehem. The sacred supper, that's where we run. The, the, the same word and flesh that once was cradled, and nestled in that little town, today it comes to you, here in this word proclaimed. It comes to rest and to nestle itself in, in the hearts of, of you, his people. For as Luther once wrote, we heard the children sing just not so long ago in their pageant. Ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, make thee a bed, soft, undefiled within my heart, that it may be a quiet chamber kept for thee. In him. Friends, in him the hopes and all the fears of all of your years are met and finished. For as the Old Testament reading concluded, he is your peace. Come with me then in these special days to come. Come with me to that little town of Bethlehem, that city of David, where big things did happen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
That your church, O Lord, throughout the world would in these last days of Advent rejoice in faith as did Mary and Elizabeth and her prenatal son John, preparing to gratefully receive the Christ child who was born to be the Savior of all the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That the message of Christ and him crucified would be the heart of our preaching and teaching and confessing as we celebrate the seasons of the church year, that we would ever be most grateful for the gift that you have given the world and the life and the redeeming work of your Son. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all of those recently baptized into Christ, especially the infant Abigail Viola Priest, who weeks ago you graciously received as your own in holy baptism, and today introduced to the fellowship of her congregation. We thank you for sustaining her in both body and in soul during the dangerous times that were in weeks past, and we pray that you would remain with her in the days to come, nurturing her through her parents and family, providing her with all things needful for her life and body and soul now and throughout eternity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all your little children, and especially those among us, that they may know the true happiness and joy of this Christmas season and confess it to others, even as 
our children did in their Christmas pageant this morning, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who do not know and confess Christ as Lord, that through your word proclaimed in this coming Christmas season, your Holy Spirit would create that faith within them that embraces and confesses Christ, not simply for a season, but for all of life and for all of eternity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all of your people throughout the world who face persecution for confessing Christ, that they and we would remain faithful in our confession and suffer all, even death, rather than fall from it, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who, because of illness or circumstances beyond their control, suffer from hunger and homelessness and poverty or unemployment, that you would preserve and relieve them through the compassion and the care of the church and of the nation, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those celebrating anniversaries of your goodness to them, especially today, do we thank you with Herb and Pat Bush for the 49 years of marriage that they have been granted, and we ask your continued blessings upon them through their family, their new granddaughter, Ella Grace, and through the fellowship also of your church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who travel in the coming days, that as you provided for your people Israel of old during their wilderness travels and preserved Joseph and Mary during their travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that you, O Lord, would also protect and guide all of your people who travel now, making their way safe and their Christmas homecomings joyful. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those far from family at these holiday times, especially the members of our armed forces who serve in distant and dangerous places, that they may be kept safe and return safely in due time to their loved ones in their homeland. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the widow and the widower and the orphan, that they may be provided with all that they need. For the sick and the homebound and for all preparing for or recovering from surgery or undergoing treatments of any kind, that they may receive all the support and the love and the medical care that they need and be sustained in the faith through their trials. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who mourn, especially for the family of our sister in Christ, Shirley Brackman, that your love and grace and power would sustain them, even as it kept her on earth unto her first day in heaven where there is no pain anymore and all tears are wiped from our eyes. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, Heavenly Father, as we now conclude this Advent season, we thank you for preparing us through your word and sacraments to celebrate the incarnation of your Son. As we gather on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to celebrate the word made flesh, to dwell among us and to die for us, that in him we might have life and have it abundantly, we pray that you would bless us and keep us through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who has taught us together to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, our King and Redeemer, to whom your faithful people have ever cried, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Grant that with grateful hearts we too may join in the songs of praise of those in heaven and earth who rejoice at your coming. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.